Worship team. Good morning, Joy Christian Center. Some of you have no idea what you're about to be in for today. Praise God. There's going to be some good things happen this morning for you and your life. I feel like some of you, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. You have your GPS and your phone and, and you're driving down the road. And I've had this happen where I, I know generally where I'm going. I just need it to specifically locate an address for me. I know I'm going to Cold Spring or wherever it might be. And as you're going, you know the right way, the right route to get there. And then you, you take a little bit of a shortcut that Google doesn't understand to know about. And so it tells you recalculating, right? I think that for some of you, that's what's going to happen this morning. The Holy Spirit's going to speak into your life, and you're going to begin to recalculate some things in your life. I believe that with all of my heart. And so I want to encourage you this morning to open up your heart, get ready to receive what God has for you. We don't celebrate just church as normal here at Joy Christian Center. If this is one of your first times uh, with us at Joy, if you're watching us online today, and maybe you're a visitor or a guest, thank you so much for being here. But we're going to get down to business this morning because God's got some really good things for us. And I, I, again, just want to encourage you to open up your heart and open up your mind to what it is that God wants to do. There's something in my heart that really has been here for about almost two years. Can't go into all the de- all of the details. Pastoral staff could tell you some things that I've shared where I thought we would be uh, uh, back in 2020 or 2020. And, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody noticed there were several incidences that happened in t- 2020 that just sort of derailed a whole lot of things and made us shift gears. And uh, there's been a series and uh, some thoughts that I've had for quite a while, and probably six to eight weeks ago as we began to talk about uh, a sermon series for the fall and what we were going to be doing, I shared with staff, I knew that this is what we were going to be talking about and how important that it was, and we would culminate with a night of worship, October 17th, as Pastor Tim mentioned, I would encourage you to do everything that you can to get here and be a part of that. Acts 13, 2 says that as they ministered to the Lord and as they fasted, the Holy Spirit said to them, and I believe that God's going to bring us into some really powerful things uh, as a congregation, praise the Lord. And so the only thing that I didn't have in that whole thing was the title for this series, and as we were talking about different things. I kind of thought with it being, you know, October and Halloween and all that other stuff, we'll just call this series Ghost Stories. <laughs> Ghost Stories. You know, in our country today, you cannot get past Halloween without somebody. Do you realize? I couldn't believe this. I Googled it. And of course, we can always trust the internet, right? But anyway, roughly eight to 10 million, eight to 10 billion dollars with a B, billion dollars is going to be spent on Halloween this year. The average American spends almost $100 on Halloween. Many of you are overachievers because there is no way this guy spends $100 on Halloween. Because I know what would happen. I would eat every single Snickers bar and every, <laughs> every Kit Kat bar. We'd be handing kids pennies like I used to get when I was a kid. Oh, man, I couldn't believe it when I saw all those, all those statistics. And I, I don't know how, yeah, this may be a bad pastor moment. Maybe you won't like me to admit this, but I grew up in the 60s, and uh, I liked scary movies. And scary movies back then were, you know, uh, The Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, The Thing, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the creature. I mean, there were all kinds of creatures, creature from the Black Lagoon, creature from Mars, creature from wherever, creature from the mother-in-law, all these different things that were scary, scary movies. And I, and I liked them. I mean, Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney, all of those guys, I really, really, really liked all of that stuff. 
kind of like to be scared. And part of it was because they, uh, generally the scary movies were on Friday nights and my mom would let me stay up. Generally it was at 10 o'clock because that was not primetime viewing. And so, you know, these old black and white movies and horrible when I watched it there. It's like, I like that? Are you kidding me? I can't believe it. I like that movie. And, and, and something, you know, and I, I don't know how you were, but I would like to dress up in scary costumes. Actually, one of my favorite costumes was just to go to a bum, be a bum you know, get my dad's shirt, rip it up, and, you know, and carry a little thing. You, we couldn't do that today because that would be in, un, insensitive to people that are financially challenged. We couldn't do that today. But, but back in the day, we were able to do all those things, go knock on doors, get candy. But that all ended when I was about 10 or 11, sadly. And today, people just carry it on. And it's like, you know, when we... <laughs> When we did Fall Fun Fest, part of the reason that we did Fall Fun Fest was because there were, well, there's, there was a need for it, first of all, but what irritated me was as a youth pastor, as a children's pastor, we would have people in the church saying, you know, Halloween is the devil's night, and it's the devil's night, and we're going to keep our, we're not going to let our kids be a part of it. We're going to keep on, we're going to shut off all the lights. It's like, why? Because it's the devil's night. If the devil has something, it's because he stole it. Why can't the church have the biggest party in town? Why do we always have to tell our kids and our teenagers, no, 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 no. If it looks like fun, no. <laughs> Told you we're going to recalculate some things this morning. So the reason that we did, one of the reasons that we did Fall Fun Fest is because I thought the church should have the biggest party in town. We accomplished that. We did that. We created the biggest party in town. The problem was everybody, amen. That's a good reason to clap your hands. Say, well, Pastor Brian, why don't we do it anymore? Because everybody else started doing it. Yeah. Trunk or treat, has, it's a la it lasts for a month. <laughs> All of the different things that, that go on. And I, I was impressing, what's next? God, what is the next thing that you want us to do? And, and, and so when we refer to, when I refer to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, those kinds of things, I, I know that there's, in our congregation, there's a whole lot of diversity of thought. There's, there's a lot of diversity of experience. And I think most of us get the idea of God. God is our father. And because we're familiar at least with a father type relationship, I think all of us had a father. Doesn't matter if you had a great dad or, or not a great dad, you get the idea of fatherhood. And so there, we can relate to that. And then there's Jesus. And Jesus is our elder brother. And, and you know, for, for a lot of us, we grew up in Sunday school and in church. And, and we can relate to Jesus because we see pictures of Jesus. I'm wondering, I was thinking about this over the weekend. I'm like, I wonder if people get to heaven and they're not going to recognize Jesus. Now, the Bible says we know, you know, we, we know uh, spirit to spirit, we'll know that way. But what if Jesus was balding? You don't know that he wasn't. Amen. I, what if he packed on a couple pounds? I mean, we get the Jesus, the white Jesus, that, you know, long flowing hair, the picture on the rock. You know, and that's our picture of what Jesus is. And, and so we understand God. We understand Jesus at least to the degree that we can understand him. We'll never fully understand the depth, the length, the breadth, and the height of who he is. But we have an idea of him. But then we go to the Holy Spirit. And we don't know what to think. I remember growing up in the church that I grew up in, the Holy Spirit was always a little bit weird to me. I couldn't get it. We had a, a, a gentleman in our church, the pastor with heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, Christians are praying, and, and we'd all be there. And, and every single Sunday, one person began to speak in tongues. And the pastor would interpret it. I remember my dad, the few times he would go to church, he'd say, oh, you know, boy, he sure had a lot of shandidiadis today. 
no idea. I would ask my mom, what is that? What, why, why is he speaking out in church? We're supposed to be quiet. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. The what? I, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And that's how a lot of people are. We don't fully understand, embrace. The, we kind of think that <laughs> the Holy Spirit's kind of like cra- cra- crazy uncle or something like that. I mean, we all have a crazy uncle. We think that the Holy Spirit is, is going to make people crazy. Some of you, I, I, I'd like to invite my friends to church, but I'm afraid of what might happen. And they won't understand. They're going to think we're crazy. Can I tell you that statistics tell, you, tell us that one out of three people are crazy? Look at the person on, the, on, on your left right now. If they're not crazy, look at the person on the right. If they're not crazy, guess what? This shall be a sign to you. Actually, I'm just messing with you. That is not a statistic. It's actually one in two people are crazy. No, that's not the case. People are just crazy, whether with the Holy Spirit or without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. There are things that happen that sometimes we can't explain fully. I want to talk about some of those things this morning. As we kind of get into this whole thing about ghost stories, the book of Acts tells us a whole bunch of ghost stories, but we got to have some, we have to have some, some foundation and some grounding in our lives because the Holy Spirit is not a it. It isn't just a feeling. It isn't just this weird thing that happens. The Holy Spirit is just as much a part of the Godhead as God the Father and God the Son. They are equal, co-equal in their power, in their revelation, in everything that happens. There isn't God, Jesus, and then sort of that person that we keep over here that we don't want anybody to get too crazy about. And it feels like sometimes in the church world that there's one side of the ditch or the other side of the ditch that we get into. There are people that are, you know, people that would call it, it's the, instead of the supernatural, it's the spooky natural. And it's mystical to us. It's weird to us. It, we don't have a, we just don't, and it's all Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, and all those other things. And, and, and there's one side of the ditch, but then there's the other side of the ditch that I think is more prevalent and far more dangerous. And that, that, there, that is that there is an underappreciation or underemphasis on the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so... <laughs> We kind of, there's the branch of Christianity that really thinks that the Holy Spirit just kind of landed on planet Earth on the day of Pentecost. Now, there was a huge shift in the ministry of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Huge shift. But the Holy Spirit has always been active. The Holy Spirit has always been in a sense or in a form of manifestation. We could go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we see all three of the Godhead in action and in power on the day of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. What was the agency by which God created? God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. We see God the Father with the plan implementing a plan. We see Jesus, the spoken word, God said, and we see the Holy Spirit in action. And actually the word spirit in the Greek, it is the, it is the, the Hebrew word, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but I'll pronounce it like I think it sounds, ruach, ruach. It means a, a violent breath, a blast of air, a, a mighty, whew. actually way more mightier than that. <laughs> 
Way more. It is not destructive, but creative in its force. It's creative in its power. In the New Testament, the word spirit is the word pneuma. Pneuma. So whenever you see that word spirit, we tend to think it's like a ghost. And that was kind of what I thought it was when I was a kid. I didn't understand. And just like, just like scary stories and, and you know, <laughs> any of those that genre of, of movie, whatever it might be, that there has been, I mean, it's amazing what special effects can do and, and CGI and graphics, all that other stuff. But here's, here's the thing about being afraid. Scary stories. We run away from the things that we're afraid of. We run away from things that we're afraid of. This morning, I'm coming into church, and, and it was dark, and, and uh, there was, there's two lights over that little curved entryway, and I just happened to look up, and there's a giant, I mean, a big spider web, big thing. And I was like, that's gross. It's way up there. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, that's just nasty. We shouldn't have people walking under that. And then I happened to see some movement, and, and I'm not kidding. There was a spider about that big. That baby was fat, man. He had webs all around that light. He was eating. The only thing he wouldn't eat are those stupid box elder bugs. Jeepers. That is a curse right from the pit of hell. I mean, I'm, along with mosquitoes, Moses should have been like, you know. Or Noah, I mean, Noah should have just squashed them buggers. Get rid of those things. Hate them things. Had a really bad dream about <laughs> box elder bugs when I was a little kid. Somehow I ate them. We're talking about scary stories this morning. <laughs> and man, I had them all on the inside of me. Whew, I hate them to this day. Gross me out. Anyway, sorry. Meanwhile, back at the sermon. <laughs> we run away from things that we're afraid of. And if you are afraid of the Holy Spirit, you are going to resist and you're going to run away from him. And a lack of understanding causes us to be afraid. And so I want to share with you a couple of things this morning that I believe will help you as we lay a foundation in this series called Ghost Stories and, and some different things that uh, I believe is going to help us to, to really come into the power of God. In John chapter 14 and verse 16, it says this, Jesus talking in, in John 14, 15, and 16, some of the most important words that Jesus has ever spoken. He's written to, he, he is speaking to his disciples. This is, in essence, his last words. His last words, his final thoughts, his parting thoughts to the men that he is entrusting with this mission to go into all the world. With this, with this message, this gospel, this love of God. And so he's, <clears throat> the pressure is on. He knows that the time has come. He knows that he's about to fulfill all of redemption. And he gives these words to his disciples. Verse 16, actually backing up for a second. You need to understand something. Jesus had said, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. My job here is done. Can you imagine that? 33 years old. He's entrusting all of this to these Larry Moe and Curly. <laughs> you know, these guys, like, really? I tell you what, Jesus had great faith, didn't he? And he entrusts that same message to you and to me. And so... <laughs> As he's, as he's entrusting this gospel to his disciples, imagine being on the other side of the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm leaving. And they're like, wait, 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 what? Huh? I mean, where are you going? I love Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim, this is 100 years ago. We were on the other side of the building. It was April 1st on a Sunday morning. 
Pastor Tim's talking to me a little bit. Hey, what's going on this morning? Blah, 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 all these other things. I say, hey, Pastor Tim, I hate to tell you this, but I'm, today I'm going to announce my resignation to the congregation. He looked at me and goes, what? Where are we going to go next? <laughs> Where are we going to go next? I love that. I was just kidding. That was 100 years ago. Still here. Here we are. So anyway, uh, but my whole reason for saying that is the disciples didn't have that. They, they, they were like, wait a minute, wait, wait. You're the, one who, you're the one who's done it. You've told us what to do, what to say, where to go, how to catch a fish that has a coin in its mouth. You've, you, you've done miracles. You've given people filet of fish sandwiches. You've done all these other things. Now you're telling us you're leaving? Who's going to take care of that? Who's going to do all that stuff? And so Jesus says this in John 14, and I will pray or I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say another helper. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. He's not going to leave. Jesus was limited to a geographical area wherever he was. He was limited in that way. He is now telling the disciples that there is a helper that is going to be totally unlimited because he will be with you all the time. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and, and here's the promise, he dwells with you and will be in you. And in the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about that particular idea, the power of the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us and, and, and what is the result and what is the benefit? Why is this so important? But I want to draw your attention back to verse 16. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Another means another of the same kind, different but the same. You've come to rely upon me to tell you what to do, where to go. You've come to rely upon me for all of those other things. I'm going to give you the same kind of helper, but it's going to be a little bit different. And this helper is the Greek word paraclete, which means a lot of translations will say it's the counselor. It is the guide. It is the helper, the advocate. The Greek idea gives us that it is somebody who is called alongside together with us to help us against. When, when the load gets heavy, I have a helper that can help me carry something. And he stands by the ready. Actually, there's two Aramaic words. And, and it gives the idea, uh, it's really kind of a word picture that means to put an end to, to overpower or overwhelm. It means to, it means, and then there's a second word that means that the, it means the end of the curse or the end of. And so the Holy Spirit, I wrote it down, the Holy Spirit is a redeemer who ends the curse. He said, I'm leaving you this helper that is going to put an end to the curse of sin and death and its power in your life. Be aware that you have this helper. Jesus said a little bit later in John chapter 14 and verse 26, but the helper, this paraclete, this one who has put an end to the curse, but the helper, who is the helper? The Holy Spirit. Who's your helper? Is it any wonder that the enemy wants you to make, be afraid of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because the enemy knows that if he can shut down that voice and that power in your life, he will shut down your life and your power. And you will be frustrated and you will be tired because you have no help. If you feel like you are helpless today, then you have come to the right place. Because I'm here to tell you, you are not helpless. Let me say that again. You're not helpless. Whew, I'm preaching so much, I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> but the helper, you really don't want to see me sweat. All right, that's just gross. Speaking of scary things. 
but the Holy Spirit, <laughs> but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will, he, he will, he will, not might, not maybe, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I have said to you. I've tried this in the grocery store and I forget something that Shelly has told me to get. That doesn't work that well. But anyway, I'm like, dear Jesus, please, the Holy Spirit will help me remember. I'm just going down the aisle. God, give me a word, you know, sort of a thing. Verse, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit who is our helper. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Can you imagine that? Here's the disciples hearing the words of Jesus. Hey, I'm leaving. I'm putting all this into your hands. Like, Jesus, you can't go. You, you can't leave. What are you talking about? And Jesus says, this is to your advantage. This is better for you. This is better for you. I can guarantee you that, that none of those guys thought this was better. And I kind of wonder if it just went right over their heads. Because so many other things went right over their heads. And they weren't paying, always paying attention to the things that Jesus said. They were hearing what he said and thinking something else. Which is why I think Jesus said, I'm going to bring all things back to your remembrance. The light bulb is going to go on. You can only connect dots when looking back. And on that day that Jesus was crucified and they were in hiding and in fear. And then later when Jesus appeared to them and then later on the day of Pentecost, they could then look back and they could begin to connect the dots. Oh, I get it. I now see. Now I see what Jesus was talking about. But in that moment, they couldn't see. They couldn't understand what it was that Jesus was talking about. John 16, 7. Again, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, who is the helper? If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I don't know if you know this or not, but this Holy Spirit gives us an advantage in our lives. <laughs> so you might want to ask yourself the question this morning, and I have an answer for you, but why don't we take full advantage of this? Why don't we take full advantage of the Holy Spirit in our life? He's available to us. I'll give you two reasons, and there's more, but I'll give you two reasons. Two reasons why we don't live with the reality of the Holy Spirit. Number one, some people aren't even aware of the Holy Spirit. Again, we kind of get an idea of God and Jesus, but this Holy Spirit is something or someone that we have just sort of relegated to the side, relegated to the back area, the back burner. We'll let other people think and worry about that. I got bigger fish to fry, so I'm not going to worry about all that stuff. It's too weird, too mystical, too whatever. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. Paul is a missionary bringing the gospel of Christ. He reached Ephesus on the coast and he found several believers. He asked them this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And there are people just like that. You have no idea. It's not your fault. Never been taught. It's never been expressed to you. And perhaps you have never even been in a church where you heard the words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some people, the only time they hear about the Holy Spirit's at a wedding. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may now kiss the bride. Woohoo! We're down to the party. And that's all there is with the with the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of people who kind of like when I grew up, I, I, I again, got God, I got Jesus, and I'm saved, I'm born again. But that whole Holy Spirit thing, 
I heard about it. I saw it, experienced some things, but I, no idea. Oops, sorry. That was Greek for, so anyway, no idea, no idea who or what the Holy Spirit was. And so my concern is that we have Christians going through this life without help. We have Christians going through this life that, that quite honestly, are no different than the rest of the world. Jesus has made no difference in their life. Maybe you feel a little bit better. Maybe you sometimes feel guilty because you haven't done what you know you should have done. And so sometimes the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is not active in our life simply because we haven't heard about him. That's the reason that we're sharing this, this, this series of messages. So I hope to make you acquainted with the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit and his work in your life. Do not be afraid of, of, of what he may do, what the Spirit of God might do in you. Here's the second reason. Sometimes you are resistant to the Holy Spirit. We can resist him. Now, if you don't know who he is or how he operates, chances are you're resisting and you don't even know who or what or why that you're resisting. Unfortunately, I have a, there's a part of my makeup that the more somebody pressures me to do something, the less inclined I am to do it. Anyone else? I don't like being forced. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He will lead you. He will prompt you. He will guide you, but he's not going to force you. We have the picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. The Holy Spirit is similar. He is always drawing. He is always calling. I always thought it was these different, <laughs> different ideas, different images and pictures that we get of the Holy Spirit. He's dove. Aww. And he falls like fire. Suddenly makes me hungry for chicken. <laughs> got a dove, we got fire, man. We're going to eat. <laughs> Sorry. He's a river. He's rain. He's wind. He's a teacher, a leader, and a guide. Gives us the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, long suffering. He, he's a shapeshifter kind of thing, man. He's just everything. And I've had a hard time sometimes reconciling that. Father, help them right now in the name of Jesus. I'll tell you, I, I, every time, every time I hear a siren, I pray for first responders. I just do that. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, whatever they're responding to, help them, bless them, take care of them, keep them safe, protect their hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. But anyway, unless that was somebody's phone. Yeah, help them too. Yeah, right. Mall family, is that one of your phones over there? No? All right, good. Okay, all right. It came from over there. <laughs> that could be a, it came from over there. <laughs> all right, anyway, two reasons why. Whew, man, less coffee, Pastor Brian. <laughs> two reasons we don't live with the reality of the Holy Spirit. Again, number one, we just haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. Number two, it's because we resist the Holy Spirit. There's a guy by the name of Stephen in the New Testament. Stephen was the first martyr of the church, very courageous man. And, and as he is chewing out the religious leaders of the day, he says something to them. This is in Acts chapter 7. And he says, you stubborn people. That's a good way to win friends right there. You stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and you are deaf to the truth. Truth. Notice this. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? 
That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Sometimes we find ourselves resisting the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's actively, we just we know that God is telling us to do something. We, we sit in church and we think, yeah, I should really do that, or I should quit doing that, or I should respond to this, or I should be a part of a small group, or I should volunteer and serve. I should do those things. And, and, and we say, no, I'm not going to do it. That is resisting the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's unconscious. We just sort of feel like maybe. We sort of feel like there's something that, that, that is out there. And we're afraid to respond to it because of what we think it may cost us. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do something. You have to, by faith, begin to respond to that movement. And when you take a step, the Holy Spirit will empower that step and help you to take another step. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he will never lead you astray. He won't lead you into places that will put you in harm. It may seem like it will be, perhaps, might seem like it will harm you, but it will not. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, will, it will seem like he's going to complicate your life by making your life more difficult. But I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit, if there is complications, it is because he's trying to get you out of something because of what you were in. It might complicate a relationship. It might complicate, uh, you know, how people respond to you because we all like to be liked. And so, the <laughs> Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He is a gentleman and eventually he will stop knocking. Eventually, he will just stand by your side, your helper. He will just stand there and he will let you do what you want to do. He will let you go where you want to go. First Thessalonians says, do not grieve the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. Did I say that wrong? Yeah. Don't grieve the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. I had somebody tell me this a long time ago. You grieve the Holy Spirit by what you do. You grieve the Spirit by your actions, by what you do, but you quench the Holy Spirit. You quench the Spirit of God by what you don't do. Keeping our hearts right is so important. Keeping our hearts right is so, so, so important. That's why I think worship is so important. Yeah, but I don't sing. It's not about singing. It's about your heart to God. I think that following biblical patterns when it comes to worship, when it comes to other things, expressions of lifting your hands, clapping your hands. Psalm 150, <laughs> let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. It was a noisy worship session. It's too loud. Well, sometimes it is. Sorry. Amen. <laughs> so, so, to talk about the Holy Spirit for a couple of minutes more here. In John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit, God has given, there's a lot of things here. But in John chapter 16, we're given the words of Jesus. Again, John 14, 15, 16, he's kind of winding this up. And he tells us three things that the Holy Spirit is going to do. And I, I thought about leaving this out, but I want, to, I want to express this to you because Again, there, there's a segment of the body of Christ that thinks that the, the day of Pentecost was all the Holy Spirit, and, and the Spirit of God's always been operative, or we think that the Holy Spirit is just, you know, people speak in tongues, or, or the gifts of the Spirit. All of those are important things. You might be thinking, I can't even believe that they're talking about that. My grandma told me to be afraid of people like that. 
We run away from what we're afraid of. I'm just going to share with you what the Bible says. You, you can do with whatever you want to do with it. But you have a helper that's available to you. You have a helper available to you. In John chapter 16 and verse 8, Jesus tells us three things that the Holy Spirit is assigned to do. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation for a specific reason, but I'll get to that in a minute. When he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will expose sin, prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness. I like that. The Holy Spirit's going to prove that the world has been wrong about right standing with God. And then... Uh, the righteousness of God and his judgments. And then he, Jesus explains a little bit more what he means. Sin, because they refuse to believe in who I am. Isn't that an interesting definition of sin? How many of you have heard other definitions of sin? If we put the cart before the horse, we're going to miss the whole farm. I don't know what that came from, but anyway, it's probably not Revelation. <laughs> I don't even know why I have my finger in the air anymore. This little light of mine. <laughs> Sin, because they refuse to believe who I am. God's righteousness, because I'm going back to join the Father and you will see me no longer. And judgment, because the ruler of this dark world has already received his sentence. The Holy Spirit has been sent to convince you and to convince me of three things. Number one, the reason that he was sent into this world is to convince us that we have sinned and we need a savior. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws. In fact, the Bible says that without the Holy Spirit, he cannot, you will not be drawn to repent. You will not be drawn. And at times you might sit in a service like this. You may have sat in services and you, you know, maybe it was a Billy Graham crusade and they began to sing, just as I am without one plea. And you felt like getting up and you felt like coming. That's the Holy Spirit that is drawing you. And he's drawing us to repent. He's drawing us to change our direction. He is drawing us to, to respond to a loving God and a loving Savior. Some people have no idea that there is a way out of the rut that they are in. He comes to convince us that we're sinners who need a Savior. He comes to convince us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. The Passion Translation says that I went back, Jesus went back to the Father. When Jesus went back to the Father, he carried his blood, in a sense, as a sacrifice and put it on the holy altar, forever removing the barrier of sin and that curse that stood between us and God. It has been fully removed. And we now have right standing with God. But it's not right standing in our own strength, not right standing because of what we have done. The book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. If you don't know, if you're not convinced that you have right standing with God, you will live in fear, you will live in shame, you will live in bondage, and you will live in guilt without an understanding of who you are in Christ and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And the third one, he comes to convince you that Satan's already been defeated. We do not do life hoping for victory. We do life from a position of victory. Jesus defeated death, he defeated hell, and he defeated the grave. The devil has been defeated, and it was the Holy Spirit who was there. It was the Holy Spirit who was there when Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. It was the Holy Spirit who was there when Jesus took the keys of death and hell and the grave away from the enemy. It, was the, it is the Holy Spirit that draws us to him. It is the Holy Spirit that causes our dead, corrupt nature to have the life of God on the inside of us, as it says in the book of Titus. 
Titus that he, it is the washing of the water and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. It is the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, that convinces us that we're right with God and that the enemy has been defeated in our lives. So, how many of you have ever been presented, maybe you were renting a car, maybe you were flying somewhere, and, or maybe you were checking into a hotel, and, and, and the person that was helping you said, you know what, we noticed something, or we're sorry for the service, we want to give you an upgrade. Has anybody ever had that happen? All right, a few of you have. How many of you like it? We like upgrades, right? And actually, the best kind of upgrade is the kind of upgrade that somebody else pays for, or the kind of upgrade that you don't have to pay for. Anyone? Can I tell you this morning, Jesus already paid for your upgrade. Jesus already paid for your upgrade. He's already paid the price so that you can live an upgraded life. And I want to tell you something. Sometimes, you know, the enemy, the Bible tells us that he comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he, may, whom he may devour. And so I've asked Pastor Tommy to play the part of the devil. It's a really natural role for him. No, it's not a natural role for him. And so we get thoughts in our life. And when these thoughts happen, you know, thoughts of like, man, I have no, way, I have no idea how I'm going to raise my children. They're facing things that I've never faced before. Or maybe, I don't know, I've got some tough business decisions that I got to make, and I feel like I don't know what to do. Maybe there's other things that, whoa, I have a bald head, and people are going to think different about me, and they're not going to like me as much. And, and so I'm really concerned about that. And, and, I, and you know what? I've, I've got some sickness in my body, and I just don't know. And we're trying in our own strength. We're trying to... The ruach of God, the breath of God. We're trying to in our own strength. Fear, go away. I want more joy in my life. I want a more powerful prayer life. That used to be easier to do. You got an upgrade. upgrade available to you. Some are more difficult than others, but they all respond to the force, the creative power of the Spirit of God. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm not expecting you to do everything this morning. I'm expecting you to do something this morning. You might have seen our singers and musicians we call, I call them ears. You may have seen them wearing something like this. Josh, if you're out there or somewhere, would you give me some talking music? Actually, we thought about Eric, our drummer, giving me some talking music, but didn't think that would go over so well. <laughs> <laughs> but we wear these, and you might wonder kind of what it is that, that 
you know, why, why do they all have in-ear? We call, these are actually, they're called an in-ear monitor. You may remember back in the day, there'd be these, we call them floor monitors, and, and, and they would play back music so the singers could hear themselves, we could hear what was going on, and, and uh, that was the technology that was available, and it was very, very helpful because then you could just hear and you could know. And, uh, but it was a nightmare sometimes for the sound guy. I don't know why I'm out of breath. Maybe because I was trying to blow fear away. But anyway, <laughs> or I'm out of shape. Actually, that's probably more the case. But anyway, the sound guy would have to adjust everybody's monitor to their liking. And sometimes these monitors would get really loud that we could almost turn off the main speakers because there was so much volume coming from the monitors. And technology has now given us these things, and so we can put them in our ears. But there's other things that go on in our ears. It's wonderful. There's a thing called a click track. If you know what a metronome is, it helps you keep time. That's going in your ear. Back in the day when I led worship, if I wanted somebody, to, if I wanted the worship team, if I wanted to let them know that we we're going to do the first verse, I would do this and this behind my back. One verse, first verse. I would try to do this if we're going to go to the chorus. C. If we're going to end the song, I would do this and hope everybody saw it. And that was always the fear. Does everybody see? <laughs> Do they know that we're going to the verse? Do we, they, now there's songs that have a bridge in it, and it's, I don't know, sign language. What is, a, what is a B? That's a B? Okay. That would have been actually very easy. They'd have thought, stop, though. That was the problem. My point is that technology has given us these things, and, and there's, a, there's a metronome that is in, these, in our ears. There is a voice that will say chorus, two, three, four. Bridge, two, three. Verse. It helps all of us stay together. Helps all of us know what's coming next. It helps all of us to know so that we can all arrive at the same place at the same time, that there would be harmony, that there would be unity, and that we would be able to work together as one. In the book of Isaiah, Scripture tells us this. This is my prayer for you this morning. Isaiah chapter 30 says, Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way that you should go, whether to the right or to the left. How many of you would like to have a voice, besides the voices that you normally hear in your head, how many of you would like a voice of authority that is telling you whether to go to the right or to the left? Can I tell you this morning? You do. You do. I said you do. The Holy Spirit's job is to help, part of his job is to lead us. He is to guide us. He is our advocate and our intercessor. He is the go-between. I'll tell you what, he is pretty much everything that you and I have need of. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning and to close your eyes. Our uh, prayer team is available this morning. I'm going to ask them to come this morning. We're going to open up this altar as a place of prayer today. And if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come this morning uh, uh, and just, just to begin to receive prayer because our God is a good God. He is a God that watches over his word and performs it in our life. And perhaps you're feeling something right now. Maybe it's a, a, not a negative weight, but you're just feeling a pressure almost. You're feeling something on the inside of you. That could very well be the Holy Spirit. Gently saying, there's something here that you need. I've got something for you that will relieve you of the fear that you're experiencing right now. I've got something here. I've got a power that is available to you. I know that you don't know what to do with your kids and you're so afraid, but I can help you. 
I know that you're facing a business decision, and I know that there are some things that you've been wondering about, and I, I, I can help you with that. If you'll, just, if you'll just let me, if you'll just listen to me. Some of you have been resisting, and some of you have been, been saying, no, I don't want to. No, I'm not going to. Oh, Father, we worship you. Mm. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Maybe the Holy Spirit is here this morning and he's convicting you of the first thing, convincing you that you need a Savior. And you thought you needed to quit this, you needed to start that, you needed to be a better person first, or maybe you're a little bit embarrassed. Can I tell you that we have all been in that same position where we hate to acknowledge our wrong, we hate to acknowledge that we've missed it, we hate to acknowledge that simply pride and pride resists God. It is a humble and open heart, a contrite spirit that God responds to. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he doesn't condemn you. We're familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But that next verse says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Jesus already paid the price. It's been paid in full. The door is open and the Holy Spirit is inviting you to come in. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never surrendered to him, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer this morning. I can ask you to do anything other than to respond with a heart of faith. And so if you were to hear this morning say, Pastor, I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life to him. Would you just hold your hand up real high? I want to pray with you this morning. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Yes, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else? Yeah, we got hands going up all over the place. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending me a helper. I humble myself this morning. I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. I believe that you're alive today. I surrender my life to you. I receive your work in my life this morning. I believe you're seated next to God and I believe you've given me a helper I receive him this morning in Jesus name 